0: ...critical for us not only to walk in faith, walk by faith, but to be steadfast in it. In other words, we don't want to have this lifestyle where we have moments of faith, moments of doubt and unbelief. We're up one day, we're down for two, right? We've got to learn how to take a position of faith and stay in that position until the promise comes to pass. And so we've had six or seven weeks of straight teaching along this line. And again, those are all posted on the podcast, on the website. It's free. Go back and enjoy that. I'm probably going to try to tie up some loose ends today and and move into a a different ministry direction the next time uh, we gather together. But I still had something I needed to get out uh, to us, and we'll do that today with the Lord's help, on the subject of uh, resisting fear. Uh, Fear is one of Satan's favorite tactics to get us to move out of a place of faith, And into a place of fear. You know, uh, of course, we know a little bit about Satan's history. Satan uh, was not only his name. We know that this being we call the devil or Satan is, he's not a demon, he's a fallen angel. And he used to be, God created this angel perfect. Without sin and flawless. He was an archangel like Michael Michael and Gabriel are called archangels or archangels. Amen. Amen. And, uh, of course, you know, you can read about him in Isaiah, you can read about him in Ezekiel. He was beautiful, he was glorious, he was perfect until sin was found in him. And when he rose up in rebellion and led a rebellion against God, you can tell right there, his elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. You know, to think that you're going to be able to unseat God, right, you got something wrong with your thinking, And uh, so he fell, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And so he is now a fallen being. He can't create anything. And so we don't know how much... How many eons of time, how many millennia that he existed with God in a perfect state, living in God's kingdom, watching God operate. And one of the things you can find out about the devil is that he's an imitator of God. He's an imitator of God. He's not a creator. He wouldn't have any creative thoughts about him. But he is an imitator. He organizes the kingdom of darkness much like the kingdom of God is organized. It's just the opposite. It's just the antithesis of what God is perfectly good and right and loving and holy and he is just opposite of that. Well, God is a faith God. You know that about him, right? God is a faith God. If you're going to satisfy God, if you're going to please God, then you're going to believe God. That is one of the greatest longings of God's heart. If you want to know something about our Father, He longs to be believed. He longs to be trusted. Amen. Amen. And he will lead. He will flat lead us into situations where we will have to. Right? He wants. He's going to do everything he can to train each one of his children to develop our faith in Him. That we could face death. We could stare death in the face and not be moved because we so know Him. We've so come to uh, become such have such confidence in Him that we could stare defeat death. Uh, destruction right in the face and not be moved because of our faith in Him. Amen. And that not just be something that we're disappointed, but we actually see the victory when we do that. You know, God's failed no person. God has failed no person and He has never turned around, changed His mind and said no to not a single one of His promises. The Bible says in Corinthians that all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, the word amen means so be it. And so when you find a promise, uh, really in the Old or New Testaments, well, what do you mean the old? Well, the old is a lesser covenant. Ours is a better covenant, the Bible says, Hebrews 8, 6. So for the new covenant to be better, we have to have everything they had under the old plus. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, they would have it better. Right. Isn't that right? And so you find, uh, like some of my favorite healing scriptures are in the, new, in the Old Testament. Like if you serve the Lord your God with gladness, gladness of heart, that He will bless your bread and your water, your food and your water, and He'll take sickness right out of your midst. How do we know that that's for us today? Well, because if we don't have that same promise in the New, then I'd rather go back and live under that covenant. You see what I mean? Amen. So when you find a promise of God and they say to us uh, that there are over 500 specific promises in the Bible to us. Amen. That God's answer to that is. It's never. Me- God is not Santa Claus. He's not making a list of who's naughty and nice. Not for not for that. Right. Amen. All his promises are yes and amen. But what you need to know is they don't fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. The promises of God being fulfilled in your life are not automatic. It's Another thing that religion has really done to us in a negative way is that they have got over into people's thinking that whatever will be will be when it comes to God. You know, if God wants me to have that job, I'll have it. And if I didn't get it, that must mean He didn't want me to have it. That's not biblical thinking. You need to get rid of that thinking. Amen. In everything, God has a part. And in everything, you have a part. Well, what is my part? See, you ought to be interested. What is my part? My part is faith. My part is faith. There are some other things like obedience that are huge, right? But for a promise of God to be fulfilled in my life, God's part is to bring it to pass. My part is to believe Him. Mm -hmm. Moses did not part the Red Sea. God did. But Moses believed Him to do it. God told him, get up stop crying. And he's telling a lot of people that today. Get up and stop crying. Stop crying to me. He says, tell the children of Israel to move forward. You know where they were? They got their toes on the banks of the Red Sea. They got no boats, no life jackets, no canoes, no oars. And yet God says, tell the people to go forward. Forward where? Into the impossible. But then he gives them an instruction. Stretch out that. You see that stick you got? You remember that? You've been doing miracles with it? Stretch it out over the waters. And, I'll par- and he did. So see, Moses had this little part. Stand up, dry your tears, and put your stick out over the water. How many of you know a human could do that? See, a mentor I had a long time ago. He, he made this statement. It's a good statement. He said, you know what? If you'll do, Chris, if you'll do a small thing, God will do a big thing. Amen. If you'll do a small thing, God will do a big thing. I found out that's right. Amen. See, that's what Brother Jake and Miss Carrie, that's what they've discovered. You do a small thing. Bring me 10% so offerings as I lead you, and I'm going to do a big thing in your life. <laughs> Amen. 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 Praise God. I mean, you can get... You can get tumors out of your body, disease out of your body, brokenness out of your body, pain out of your body. God will do a big thing. If He has to work you all over, if He has to send an angel from heaven with a new heart and stick it in your body. How many of you know that would be a big thing? That's a big thing. What do you got to do to get God to do a big thing like that? Just trust Him. Believe Him to do it. I mean, and be bold about it. You know, my kids are bold about the promises I make to them as their daddy. They are bold about it. They'll just flat, I mean, just come and say, you said, yes, you did. Daddy, you said it right here. I got three witnesses. We go to the store today. You go buy me a dress today. Yeah, I mean, if I made the promise, they expect me to fulfill it. They must believe I can. They must believe I'm able. And they are sure not going to let me forget. You know, God tells you to be like that. Jesus tells a parable. He tells a parable. I think it's in Luke 18, Luke 19, somewhere around in there about an unjust judge. I mean, this guy's not even got a lot of integrity and he's a judge. And here comes this little old lady and she wants the judge to give her a favorable judgment. And he's not inclined to do it, but she is wearing him out. Knock, 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 knock. Hey, judge, 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 judge. And she, the judge finally goes, Whatever you want, just get out of here. And then that's the story. That's pretty accurate to the Greek there. Just wore him out. He did not do it because of the of the, the merits of her case. He did it because of her insistent persistence. And then Jesus goes to talking about prayer and says, pray like that to the Father. Pray like that to the Father. See, sometimes I think we're going to get under God's skin. No, God actually likes it. The Bible says in Isaiah, put me in remembrance of my word. He said, my word will not return unto me void. So see, he sent, the Bible is his word sent from him. But now you're supposed to put your voice on that word and send it back to him. Because the Bible says His Word will not return to Him void. He sent His Word so you could return it to Him. Yeah. Amen. Did you get that? He sent 1 Peter 2.24 that He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we being dead unto sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes, don't make me get my whip out, you were healed. He sent us that Word so that we could return it to Him. He sent Philippians 4.19 into the earth so that we could send it back to Him. What does Philippians 4.19 say? For my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you will send that word back to Him, it will not return void without fulfillment or without power. He sent it. Your job is to send it back with your name on it. Amen. Glory to God. And so this is kind of how faith works. But in the middle of this transaction, we have to stand firm and stand steadfast. And the enemy will come along. You thought I, I, me too, got away from my original point, talking about the devil, how he is. God's a faith God. That's what we've been talking about. Well, Satan created a counterfeit for faith. The devil has his own version of faith. And it works according to the same law that God's law of faith works. And it's fear. Fear is Satan's faith. Fear is Satan's faith. You see, God on His side, He takes our faith, our belief, our confidence, and our expectation of the good thing He will do. He takes that and He fulfills that good thing in our life as we believe Him. Faith is the what? Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word for Bible hope is a confident, joyful expectation of God doing something good in your life. That's what Bible hope is. And it's faith that gives substance to that hope. Right? Well, now turn around. The devil's created an anti-faith called fear. Fear is is a dreadful expectation of something negative coming to pass in your life. And as we operate in fear, knowingly or unknowingly, the very force of faith is working in the negative direction. This is why fear is so dangerous. It is what tripped up Job. Job said, I feared a fear, and my fear has come upon me. That's my favorite translation of that passage. Job said, I feared a fear, and that fear has come upon me. Well, what came upon Job? The loss of his prosperity and his wealth, and the loss, first and foremost, the loss of his children. He feared the judgment and the loss of His children. He feared that fear, and that fear came upon Him. He feared losing His wealth, amen. and he, that fear He feared came upon Him. He also must have feared getting sick. He, he must have feared the fear of losing His health. And Job says, I feared a fear, and the fear I feared has come upon me. The fear you fear is on its way. The very thing you fear will come to pass in your life if you don't put an end to it. Don't put a stop to it. And Satan knows this. Now why is it? Because fear is an expectation. Why would you fear it? Why would you fear it? You are expecting. It's it's an expectation on some level that I'm going to get sick, that I'm going to die young, that I'm going to have a heart attack like my daddy did, that I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my kids, my kids won't serve Jesus, or they're going to die in a car accident. You walk around with this fear, you are fearing a fear. It is a spiritual force that is giving Satan permission to bring it on you. You need to launch an all-out assault on fear and drive it out of your life till it is gone without a trace. Now fear has many forms, doesn't it? From a slight anxiety, that's fear. Um, Worry, in every form, in every degree, no matter how slight, worry is a form of fear. Worry is a form of fear. We have fear in the form of dread. The thing you dread, that's a form of fear. Dread Mondays. (laughs) You dread Mondays. You dread having a conversation. You dread having to accomplish a certain task or face a certain situation. That dread is a fear and you better deal with it. So we have fear all the way on the, to the mildest forms of worry and anxiety, all the way up to the extreme of terror and being terrified. Everything in between is a fear. It's a form of fear. And none of it has ever come from God. Amen. Do you know God as your Father will never use any kind of fear to discipline you, train you, speak to you, or try to lead you. Never. What that ought to tell you is, you should never, ever, ever act in line with fear. Remember what I said last week if you were here? That if you yield to a fear, you have taken the devil by the hand, and he is now leading you around. And so many people, yes, Christians, precious people, have become so accustomed to living afraid they don't recognize fear in their life. And yet it's governing almost every decision they make. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to get involved and help you identify any areas in your life where fear has a foothold. And drive that thing out. You men, women even, if you've served in the military... Uh, you know, whatever, if you've had a traumatic event, right? The devil, one of the things the devil loves to do is to, is to remind us of things and flash images and all kinds of... Listen, you do not have to live another day tormented by that. Amen? Uh, yeah, I, I do have notes and we haven't even read this, this key text here, but we're going to switch it over, okay? That's just kind of how we roll around here, visitors. It might look like I'm in charge, but I'm really not. I'm looking to the Holy Ghost to help me. Uh, 1 John is where I'd like you to go. 1 John. Now here's another thing that you might find interesting about fear. Fear is a manifestation of the devil's presence. How do you know the presence of God? Peace. Peace. Love, joy, holiness, righteousness, cleanliness, right, purity. Now, don't, I, don't, I don't have time to go down this trail, so stop me if I go too far. But there is a fear of the Lord. That's, that's not what we're talking about. The fear of the Lord is a, a holy reverence. That's right. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awe. Not a fear like you're, you, you would be afraid of a rattlesnake. But... He is God we're dealing with, right? And, and if you were to see Him, uh, the stronger He manifests His presence in your life, you're going to have that sense of holy awe and reverence. And oh man, do we need that back in the church today. Oh my gosh, we need that back in the church today. Make you sit up straight, straighten your tie, iron your shirt, shine your shoes. Clean up your life. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, Satan, when he comes, he, he likes to work under the radar, undetected in your life. Come real stealthy. And, you know, he can, he can disguise his words, his presence with his words. He can, he can make his words sound, he would quote the scripture to you. And he had a conversation with Eve and so convinced Eve. Convinced her in one conversation to throw the human race under the bus. Right? So his words are very deceptive and tricky. But one of the things he cannot hide, he cannot disguise, is his smell. And he smells of fear. He is fear. He is a fearful being. He is tormented day and night. Don't, don't think that the devil's a happy guy. He is a tormented being. And when he or any of his employees show up, right? Fear will come with it, and so that presence of fear is one of the ways that you recognize the presence of the devil. Oh, 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 oh. not God. You're not going. And whatever comes next, whatever thought he wants to throw at your mind next, when you sense it, you know I'm resisting that because God never moves in fear, never, never, never. I'm going to show it to you here. Amen? 1 John chapter, let me see. Uh, 4, not 3, 4. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is is of God, not fear. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves knows not God. For God is love. Amen. He is love. When He shows up, that's what you're going to sense. Amen. Is love. Now go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, I think it's around verse 15 or so. Let me find my reference here. About love casting out fear. So again, I'm off my notes. Or is it it chapter 4? 418. Yeah, thank you. Go back to chapter 4. Look at verse number 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. You see that? God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That word means mature. Our love is made mature that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is how much fear in love? There is no fear in love. And God is love. There means there's no fear in God. But perfect love, that's perfected or matured love, casts out fear. The Amplified Bible says it casts fear right out the door. Amen? Now notice, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made mature in love. So see, if we're susceptible to fear, if we are quick to yield to fear, that tells us we have a long way to go in maturing our spiritual life in the love of God. John said in that third chapter, he said for, or maybe it was the fourth one we just read, that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So, see, you've got to have two things towards the love of God. You have to know it. You have to know it. What? You have to know God is love and that He loves you. That He loves you. And you have to know it beyond a head knowledge. Right? You have to have a revelation of that love. And then it says you have to believe in it. You have to believe, he said, for we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have to put our faith in God's love. Now, John, the apostle, was so developed in his love walk that men could not kill him. How many of the surviving 11, take Judas Iscariot out, there's 11 remaining, original of the 12. How many of those died as martyrs? Ten of them, 10 of them, all ten. Peter crucified upside down. James thrust through with the sword. Thomas dragged to pieces in India behind a chariot. They just hooked a rope up and they dragged him until his body came apart. All of them died, a martyr's death except one man. John. Now how come John escaped this faith, this fate? Because he had developed his, faith in God's love for him beyond all of them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right? Here is an elderly man and Nero, I mean a mentally deranged Roman emperor, bloodthirsty, tried to dip John to kill the man in a boiling vat of hot oil in the Colosseum. And they dropped him down in there, and he would not burn. He would not die. Historical fact, church. I mean, they dipped him down in a hot vat of oil, and he would not die. You know what John's got on his mind? You can't kill me. What do you mean I can't kill you? God loves me. Amen. God loves me. Just a simple revelation. You can't kill me. Why can't I kill you? God loves me. Do you know, I could tell you story after story of, of preachers and different people. I think it was John Hagee, Pastor John Hagee down in Texas, that was preaching a fiery sermon one time, like he's known to do. And someone ran up the aisle with a six-shooter and fired six shots at close range, and they all missed because you couldn't kill him. Amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if we had opened up our minds to what the Word says and closed our mind to what religion has told us is not possible... Christian life become pretty exciting really fast. Amen. You leave this place, you ought to not fear a car wreck, a bad accident, a mugging, an ac- uh, no tornado's going to come and knock your house down. How come? God loves me. He loves me. Devil, you can't kill me. You can't make me sick. I'm not going out with cancer. I'm not going out with a heart attack. You can't take my house. You're not going to repossess my car. How? God loves me. Amen. <laughs> Now listen, if you're not there yet, don't beat yourself up. Peter never got there. Peter never got there in his, to that degree of revelation. How do we know? Because they crucified him. James never got there. Some of the others, these are great men of, you know, Peter, we heal, God healed people through Peter's shadow. I mean, that's pretty good. He walked on water like we saw last week. Right? The best Nero could do is to take this old man and put him on a rock island. And you know what? That didn't kill him. Living outside, a 90-year-old man. Living outside on rocks. Didn't kill him. You can't kill me. Notice what that scripture says. You've got to mature in the love of God. But as you mature in the love of God, one of the things that growing in your understanding of God's love is it's going to drive those fears out of your life. And if you'll stay with it, it's not going to happen in a day or a week or a month or a year probably. Amen? Amen. But if you will stay with it, stay with what? Look up those scriptures on the love of God. Talk to God about His love. Ask the Holy Spirit to unveil to you, to cause you to know in a new way what it means to be loved by God. We have so limited the love of God to the forgiveness of our sins but He will fight your battles. He will defend you. He will work on your behalf. He will, come on, He will part the sea. He will will do whatever it takes. But you've got to know it and you've got to believe it. Back in Matthew 8, you don't have to go back there, but remember that's the time where they're all in the boat together and they're going to the other side and a storm comes up. And uh, these are seasoned fishermen, Peter and uh, Andrew, and some of those at James and John. Four guys in that boat. They grew up on that lake, and they think they're about to die. So it must have been pretty bad for these seasoned Sea of Tiberius, Lake of Galilee people to think to be that scared. And Jesus just let them get wet for a while, asleep up there on a pillow. You know, God will let you get wet for a while. Especially after he's taught you a few things. You're going to find out, you know, what you're made of. You know, with Jesus, life is school. And there are tests. And pop quizzes. And this was a surprise pop quiz. And Jesus is going to lay there asleep on the pill saying, hmm, this would be a good opportunity to find out if they've been paying attention. And of course, they finally woke him up and blamed him. Didn't they? You know that's what scared people do. They blame others. What did they accuse him of? Not caring. Isn't that interesting? They accuse God of not caring. See, they don't have this revelation like they should that God loves them. They forgot that God's in their boat. How are you going to sink with God in your boat? It may look like you're going to sink. It may feel like you're going to sink. But how are you going to sink with God in your boat? (laughs) They forgot. And they woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we're about to croak? We're about to die. We're all about to drown. We're about to perish. And he stood up and said, "Oh ye of little faith, where is your faith? Of course, before that, he... Walked up to the little stern of that little boat. Pointed his finger, no doubt, at the wind. And said, peace. Commands you to be still. And that whole thing just simmered down. Mm -hmm. Then he turned to him and said, where's your faith at? See, that's why he was laying there on the pillow, waiting to see if they'd been paying attention. He expected them to get up and do that. He expected them to get up in the middle of their storm, feeling afraid and fit wet. And in the, you know, feeling all the effect of this circumstances, he still expected them to point at that storm and to say, peace, be still. And they didn't do it. And you know what? Many times, that's what God's doing. He's letting you get wet. He's finding out, have you been paying attention? How long are you going to put up with that storm before you stand up and talk to it? In the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. So anyway, go to 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy if you can. You getting anything? Fear ought to not be played with. You know, it never happened, thank God. Hopefully it never will. But I'm sitting back there in my chair or got my feet propped up on the couch and Amber goes, Oh, there's a snake in the kitchen. You know, when she says stuff like that, that is a command. Husband, get off your rear and come deal with this situation. Now, as a husband, I have to be honest, I hear that as a declarative sentence. Yeah, She just has stated a fact. But I have to learn wife talk. I have to learn woman talk. This trash can is overflowing. See, that's a declarative sentence. There's no question. It's not a... It's not a, an imperative statement. I went to grammar and got good grades, got good, right? What I'm waiting to hear for is, Honey, would you please come in here and empty the trash? But see, I, had to trans- I have to translate that. <laughs> Y'all husbands know what I mean? Don't act like you don't know what I mean. <laughs> Amen. I don't even know what my point is and all that, but anyway. <laughs> it's good anyway. Second Timothy, Chapter one. It'll come back to me in a minute. Praise God. And so here's Timothy, and he's facing persecution and uh, he's got a congreg- he's a teenager and he's got a congregation of maybe minimum 40,000 people. 40,000. And then not only that, you know who's sitting in the front row? Mother Mary, Mother Mary. Teenager preacher with 40,000 congregants and Mother Mary sitting in front of him. And you know who's sitting next to her? The Apostle John who's fresh off the island of Patmos having just written the book of Revelation. How'd you like to preach to him? And not only that, he's doing funerals all day long because every weekend members of his congregation are being fed to the lions for entertainment at the Roman Colosseum in Ephesus. So he's not dealing with, you know, Sister Blabbermouth. I mean, he's got real problems yeah. right. as a pastor. Yep. Real problems. <laughs> Amen. And look at what his man of God, the Apostle Paul, writes to him in this letter. Says, "When says, verse 5, chapter uh, 1, 2 Timothy 1, 5. When I call to remembrance the unfaith, that means the real, genuine, sincere faith, faith without hypocrisy, that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois... And in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded, is in you also. The first thing he's opening up, and he's going to talk to him about his legacy of faith. He said, Listen, your grandmama had faith, and your mama's got faith, and Timothy, you got the same faith. Amen? Praise God. Verse 6 Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Well, I could preach on that, but anyway. Verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given unto us the spirit of fear. But what has He given to us? Power. Power. There's the love of God we were talking about. Love. And a sound mind. The Amplified Bible talks about a sound mind is a calm, well-balanced disciplined mind. Now, does that describe your mind? Calm. Well-balanced. Disciplined. Our minds are not sound. You know, if your crawl space, if your, your foundation, your peers were not sound, what would that mean? It's faulty. Got problems. Better deal with that. Your house is going to fall down. If your mind is unsound... You got trouble. You better get to work. You better call somebody. You better fortify that. Again, what constitutes a sound mind? It's got to be calm. Now, are you one, and don't, no condemnation, but listen, when a little crisis props up, or you get an unexpected phone call, or an unexpected report, or the news comes on, are you the one that freaks out? Ah! Right? And mm, drama, 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 drama. And everything's a big deal. And the earth is falling and the sky is falling and we're all going to die. That's not having a calm mind. You know, when bad news comes, do you, are you a gas can or a fire hose? Some people in your family are gas cans, right? You don't want them to know nothing because they're just going to throw fuel on the negative fire. You don't want to be like that. Do you want to be hmm, chill? Look inside. What does the word say about this? That is a calm mind. Something comes along. Maybe you got to take a punch. You know what I mean? Take a punch from the devil. We all are going to have to learn to take one. You're going to get bowed over. You better gather yourself, and before you yield to fear, better ask yourself, what does the word say about this? What does the Word say about this doctor's report? What does the Word say about this job loss? What does the Word say about this circumstance? And if you don't know, you better dig in there and find it. Don't call me. Call me if you have to, but I don't want to do all your Bible study for you. Get in the book for yourself. What does the Word say about this? Amen? Well, then what do I do? I found out what the Word said. Act like the Word's true. I remember Brother Hagin, he had... Uh, taken over for a pastor for a summer. The, s- the pastor had to leave, had, took a short sabbatical. So for the summer, he, he came off the road and pastored that church for about three months. And the church was doing okay, but they had a radio program that was about three months behind financially. And uh, <clears throat> so they had deacon boards back then, and, and uh, he'd meet, and they'd go, oh my God, oh my God, we're further behind on the radio program. If we don't get money, what are we going to do? We're going to shut off the radio program. Oh, la, la, la. la. And they finally, you know, calmed down and looked at Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin, hey, what are we going to do? You know what he said? He said, gentlemen, we're going to act like the Word is true. We're going to act like the Word is true. And they all go, that's right. The Word is true. You know by the time the pastor got out, all those bills were caught up. and He had money in the bank. See, when the crisis comes, you're going to have to make the choice to believe and act like the Word of God is true. Amen. So, a sound mind is a mind that's calm, well balanced, right? Disciplined. Your mind is not sound if it's not disciplined. I mean, a dis- what I, I got to discipline my body, my well, I got I to discipline my kids. You're telling me I got to discipline my mind? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what does it mean to discipline your mind? It means you stand at the gate of your brain and you personally decide what gets in and what doesn't. You better have somebody on the watchtower. Where I go to bed at night. You know, I got a firearm pretty close by, plus my angels, blood of Jesus. I check my doors. We We lock our gate. But for some precious folks, there's nobody at the gate and whatever thought comes they just turn it over not every thought you have com- is your thought mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. yeah. satan's got a little gun in the realm of the spirit and he points it at you and he's got a big heavy magazine in there and everything's loaded up with thoughts of fear and you know bam bam bam, bam 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 i'm gonna kill you oh, oh yeah and the thoughts are coming to your mind right rapid fire Right, your wife don't love you. Oh, she's cheating on you. Oh, no, no, no. Right, I'm not the only. No, right, I'm not been attacked by that. But I mean, it doesn't matter what stupid thought will come. If he thinks you'll fall for it, he'll shoot it at you. Boing. You ugly. Nobody likes you. You're a failure. Right. See, none of those thoughts are yours, and they have to be. You have to be disciplined, standing at the gate of your mind, saying. I, 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 it's what it means to resist the devil. Now, I recognize that thought. No, in my father's eyes, I'm, I'm the apple of his eye. Right? I'm a bag of chips. I'm all that in the bag of chips in my father's eyes. So I bind that thought. This is what a calm, right? So look at what God did not give Timothy spirit of fear, spirit of fear. See, so I'm trying to prove to you, fear is never coming from God. He's never going to try to spank you with fear. He's never going to try to lead you with fear. He's not going to try to uh, change your mind. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to do anything like that using fear. If it's fear, the devil's there. And it's up to you to resist him and run him off. You deal with fear like you would an unclean spirit. Like you would a demon. Didn't he just call this what? Did he say, you know, Timothy, God has not given you the emotion of fear. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. What did he say? God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's not given to you the spirit of fear. Fear is then a what? Say spirit. How do you deal with the spirit? You say, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of fear, I resist you. You cease and desist in all your operations against me in the name of Jesus. And that thing will obey you. But you have to talk to it. You have to resist it. Last thing I'd like you to see before we close today is, do you see God's not only not giving us the spirit of fear, but He's ganging up on the devil. The devil wants to bring you one thing from him, fear, and God's going to counter that with a threefold, you know, triple punch. Bam, bam, bam. (laughs) Now let me say this. Another form of the fear I didn't mention earlier is this fear if you look up this word, fear, it's timidity or cowardice. That's what it that's The specific fear that Timothy was dealing with, he was intimidated. Now you would be too, right? You'd be tempted to be intimidated if you had to. You know, you're 15, maybe 16 years old, and family members are getting fed up. What do you tell them? Right. Have faith, you know, and you should. But praise God. It takes some spiritual maturity to come into a grieving family and there's one remaining and everybody else got eaten and tore up by the lions in the Colosseum yesterday. And that's happening day after day after day. To hold that congregation together. And to get up and preach to Mother Mary. (laughs) With the Apostle John. You see what I mean? So he's dealing with cowardice. Right? And timidity or intimidation. I'm telling you, if you're intimidated by someone or something, it's fear and you need to stop it. Amen. Right? Some congregation take members, it takes them three years to even get acquainted with me because you're intimidated, whatever. I'm not an intimidating person. Amen? You have enough faith to come talk to me, all right? Let me come talk to you, praise God. You'll find that out. I'm a nice guy. Amen? Amen? And that's really true of my wife. And and if I'm at all intimidating, she's ten times, they say. But she's really not. I'm telling you, I've been married to her a long time. She's sweet. Sweet person. But see, people are robbed of the relationship they could have with their pastor on some level, right? They're intimidated. You shouldn't let not, not a situation, not a circumstance, not a person. I don't care who they are. You should be respectful, especially people in authority over you. But you're not supposed to be intimidated by nothing. By no one. Amen. Would you afford me the reading of one more scripture? Because it's too good to close without you hearing it. <laughs> it's in Philippians chapter 1 from the Amplified. Hallelujah. You know, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it, and I've thought it too. It's just natural to be fear, to be afraid. Just not everybody's afraid of something. No see that's we've gotten so buddy- buddy with fear. we've normalized it, we've learned how to function in the midst of it. we've got to, we've got to change that. or the devil he'll, he'll rob us of our faith in certain areas. We don't want that. Hallelujah. So I like this in Philippians chapter one verse twenty seven and twenty eight in the amplified, and I'll read about half, start halfway into that twenty seventh verse. He said uh, You know, he's pleased to hear this of you, that you are standing firm, united in spirit and purpose, striving side by side, contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. Do not for a moment. How long is this okay? Not even for a moment. Do not for a moment be frightened. Or intimidated in anything. We got a job interview. Don't be intimidated. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm facing an enemy and adversary circumstance. Don't be intimidated. Not for one moment. Don't you be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and your adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, a proof, and a seal to them of their impending destruction. You can actually send a sign to your adversary of sickness that its doom is pending. That disease, that pain, that sickness. You can send a signal that it's doomed in your life. Why? By not even for a moment being scared of it or afraid of it. Because you know that cancer belongs right way under your feet. It's no match for the name of Jesus. And you know He's going to heal you. Why, Austin? Because He, you said so, yeah, but because He loves you too. Right? Because He loves you. I don't know, I don't know if God's going to heal me. Does He love you? Mamas, what would you do if it was your baby? Right? You'd say, Doc, take all my organs, just fix my kid. You think you're? A, that's right. I would. Right? Kill me now. I do not care. Just help them. What makes a parent do that? Love. Think God loves us less? No. Come on now. Come on now. This whole God might not want to heal me business is really absurd. The more you look at it, the more absurd it looks. Right? Hallelujah, that disease doesn't have a chance. You know, you can send a sign to that unpaid bill that it's doomed. (laughs) Right? You're doomed because I'm not afraid of you. Because God loves me and I have a supply. And if I'll just stand here unafraid, talk the right thing, act like the word of God's true, sure enough, that bill's going to get paid. And I've been living that way for a long time, and especially in the last 12 months, and I can tell you, God is up to the task. Amen? He is up to the task. So our fearlessness is a proof of their impending destruction, a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and your salvation and that from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You could stand up on your feet today. Can you hear God say, fear not? All over the word. He says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God.